Italian Wine Podcast. Chin Chin with Italian Wine People. Hello, this is the Italian Wine Podcast. My name is Monte Walden. My guest today is Elisabetta Gibetti. Elisabetta's winery is called Le Pupille. Fattoria Le Pupille. No, it was important, Fattoria. Fattoria Le Pupille. Elisabetta's winery is called Fattoria Le Pupille and it's in the Morellino di Scanzano region on the Tuscan coast, south west Tuscany. Um, welcome. Southwest. It's a very south. Yeah, very, very... Same b- coast than Bulgari, more on the south. Okay, so how did you end up in Scanzano? It's, uh, it's a quite a, a long story. It okay. started many years ago. When I, I was very young, uh, I fell in love with the, with the wine, with the countryside, with country life, and. Uh, but are you, are you from Tuscany all, then? Yeah, I'm from from Tuscany. Which uh, area? My mother's family is from the area. Okay. While my father's family is from Pisa, so I grew up between uh, Livorno and Pisa. I studied in Pisa. So that's all on the coast, all on the Mediterranean coast. Oh uh, yes, Livorno. Uh, yes, of course, and of course, more on the north of Tuscany. Scanzano yeah. is more on the south. Main, uh, uh, not cities, a town. In the area is uh, Grosseto. That's the name of the province as well. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. And I uh, was telling you that uh, was studying art history in Pisa. Art history? Art history. For some years I went on uh, sharing my life between uh, my studies and uh, this uh, small family winery. And then at the end, uh, wine won. Right, when was that then? How many years ago was that? My first uh, harvest alone in 85, I was 20. I was 20 20 years years old. 20 years old. Fadele Pupile used to be a traditional uh, Tuscany farm where family was producing uh, vegetables, olive oil. uh, Cows? We used to have cows, of course, Maremma. It's very famous for cows and horses. Then in the 60s, we started to bottle the first wine. And in the 70s, when the DOC, Morino di Scanzano, uh, has been created, we have been between the first uh, wineries together with the Cantina Cooperativa, of course. The local uh, co- Yeah, to produce uh, the Morellino di Scanzano. So the, the first uh, uh, bottles uh, from Pupille were from 78. That has been the first vintage for this denomination. Really? Yes. So you were absolutely at the heart of the, of the Morellino story. At that time, uh, we were just a few producers. So in a way, it was, it was also quite difficult to produce promote this denomination, especially because the novel vague of producing great wines in Tuscany started some years after, in the middle uh, of the 80s. So that which went further north in Bulgaria and things like that, yeah? Yes, especially uh, because of uh, Sasekaya and uh, Antinori's family, Giacomo Takis, uh, that used to be also our uh, winemaker consulting until uh, 96, 97, something. 
97, something like this. How do you feel about the changes in the region, seeing as you're one of the pioneers of Scanzano? Do you, do you see investors coming in, doing this good happened, things, bad this things? This happened in the early, starting from 2000. A lot of uh, investors, especially families that were already renowned for some other denominations, so, uh, so Chianti, and then also people from the north of Italy. So there was a kind of uh, really, how can in, I say? An invasion. Invasion, an invasion. But I mean, invaders sometimes, they do two things. They, they want to change the status quo, but they also can bring innovation. So there must have been the good side and the bad side. It's, it's difficult to say. I mean, at the beginning, uh, this story was, uh, was something uh, that could uh, really uh, help the area, the Maremma, to be more known, uh, especially yeah. internationally, international countries. I mean, USA, uh, also Asia markets. Uh, but then uh, the problem for me has been that uh, on one side, there the was a lot of interest for the area. But on the other side, the the consortium. The grower, the wine growers, um, not official the wine growers. The wine growers were working very well, making uh, very new, nice uh, vineyards. They planted a lot of new uh, vineyards. Some very interesting uh, Sangiovese clones varieties. But the problem was more on the side of the consortium that until 2007 was not working uh, so deeply for the to develop. Sorry, to, to de- the promotion. To the promotion. Okay. Yeah, I have. So I, I remember going there in 2005 when I was writing a book, and um, it didn't seem the region didn't really seem to have officially, at least, an outward-looking vision. It was very preoccupied with internal politics and things like that. Right. And obviously, when you're up against the, the big guns like Brunello. And and Chianti Classico or Bolgori just further up the coast, you know, Morellino, Discanza was just almost unknown. This is uh, this is uh, the problem. Uh, so how can you? How do you think you can change things? I don't know. I have been the first president for the consortium in 1992. At that time, I was really trying to to push a lot, but maybe this was not the right time to push because uh, uh, producers were still a few few producers. Well, there were about twenty. Now then, it there? could be more easy in a way, especially because after 2007, the denomination became DOC became DOCG so things uh, were changing a lot uh, especially talking about uh, uh, work in the vineyards uh, the, um, the quantity allowed. So, lo- so lower quantity, yields, basically. Yeah, lower yields, uh, and then uh, more uh, focus on the kind of grapes. Uh, so so what's, a, what's a typical blend? I mean, obviously the Morino is, is um, mainly Sangiovese, but French grapes are allowed. Yeah. 85, it's the minimum percentage uh, for Sangiovese. Do you think it should be 100% Sangiovese? Always a controversial question, but I've got to ask. What are the pros and cons? I was producing, uh, until two years ago, I was producing a single vineyard, a Morellino single vineyard, Pogiovalente, uh, that uh, used to be and still is uh, 100% Sangiovese, but as a Morellino, this was not working so well. So after many vintages, because first vintage for Pogiovalente has been uh, 97, after 14, 15 vintages, we decided uh, to put it away from to make the... It, make it a Toscana EGT, yeah. yeah? yeah. So basically, the, uh, what is a flat 
flagship wine or should be a flagship wine of the Morellino di Scanzano because Morellino is the local name for Sangiovese. Yes, it is. So basically you're making a, hundred, a wine from Scanzano, which is 100% Morellino or, or Sangiovese. Sangiovese. You're a famous producer. Mm. So really what you're saying is it's silly that you have to, or you feel you have to bottle that as just a Tuscan red, a red wine from Tuscany, rather than saying, hey, I'm IGT. a Sangiovese. It from became IGT yeah. after many, many vintages. We had w- Were other producers annoyed with you for doing that? Or they obviously respect the fact that it's your wine and you can do what you want with it. But did, were they, did they think it was a real shame that you moved away from using the Morellino name on your bottle? The shame was especially for uh, for me as a producer because I was... Bel- believing in the potential of the area, in the potential of the denomination. And so for all this, even if uh, Pupille became popular for Safredi, we are a Morellino winery. So Safredi is a sort of Bordeaux-Tuscan hybrid? Yeah, has been one of the first super Tuscan to be produced. The first vintage was 85, blah, 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 a lot of uh, nice rates, nice scores. But despite Safredi, we are... Uh, winery producing Morellino, so that that's why for me it has been like uh, if you you lose a struggle, you lose a fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why. But a fight with yourself almost as well as yeah, a fight especially with the... especially with myself. Yeah, because I didn't want. But then family was pushing me, and then mm, the most important customers, because it was also becoming uh, a kind of limit. Uh, uh, when we were presenting new vintages to the international journalists. Oh, okay. So it's Morellino. It is confusing for people. I mean, you have to in, say in that. In a way, in a way, yeah. in a way, it's still uh, considered as... Uh, we are very close to Montalcino area. The grape... You're next door. Same. I mean, the boundary is next door, isn't it? I mean... Uh... But until now, Morellino is considered as uh, a poorer sister uh, for Brunello. Yeah, yeah. I think probably the, mo- the moral of the story is if, you, if you're if you a wine region, don't have Brunello Monte- di Montalcino as your boundary because uh, there's the Monte Amiata, mm. Monte Cucco, Appalachian, which touches Brunello, and those wines struggle internationally to get the acclaim that they sometimes deserve. Monte Cucco is... Uh, Monte Cucco, uh, as they Monte say. Hucco. And uh, so your <laughs> Morellini Scanzano is also a neighbour of Brunello land. and, and There I is just a small river that, is, yeah. that separates the, yeah. the area. Yeah, yeah, you go down the train... No, it's, you, uh, you, yeah. There's a small river, uh, and then uh, there's uh, the biggest estate for Brunello. Brunello is Banfi. Yeah, you go past that on the train. You get a great view, really where the, where the boundaries lie. I do that journey often down to Grosseto to, to the railway station. It's but nice. Sure, to it is a beautiful journey, yeah. Um, if the train works, if if it doesn't work, it's a bit. It's a bit. I mean, you have to call up, get a horse or something to, to, to bring you up from the coast up to Montalcino. Do you think there's a case for Brunello di Montalcino? Brunello is, means 100% Sangiovese. Morellino is the local word for Sangiovese and where where you are from. Do you not think um, it would make sense to say, you know what, if you want a bottle Morellino? Di Scanzano, it should be 100% Sangiovese, or do you not want to get into that argument? What do you think? Make it easy for consumers. You always know if it says Morellino, it's always Sangiovese. Maybe easier for the consumers, of course, but the denomination was going on the opposite side because until 2007, a minimum percentage has to be 85 Sangiovese and 15 should be uh, local. Or could be, yeah. Could, no, should be until 2007. Well, you had to put in 15% on the grapes. Yeah. But the 15 should be a local grape, so Alicante it is traditional in the area, Canaiolo, Chiligiolo. After 2007, with the DOCG, also international varieties, 
such as uh, the Cabernet, the Merlot, Petit Verdot, everything was included. So this, for me, was the... The mistake. Yeah, because in this way, the denomination was was going far from the... Further away. Uh, yeah, yeah. Consu- also from the consumer's ideas and thoughts, because they are, to- they are thinking about uh, Sangiovese. Yeah, because it says Bordolino, which is Sangiovese, yeah. That's well, it probably won't change. I mean, we could talk about this for hours, but I mean, it just, you know, it just seems silly that if you have, if I have two vineyards in, the, in your area, one, one plot of Sangiovese, one plot of Bordeaux grapes, I can bottle, I can blend them together and they can have two names. They can be a Tuscan red, Rosso Toscano, or they can be a Bordolino di Scanzano. So why have two? Why do you say Bordolino is 100%, 100% Sangiovese and everything else is a red wine from Tuscany? It would make it easy, isn't it? Anyway, I wasn't the sharpest tool in the box this when I was in school. This is a but too long, too long story to oh, talk just, about. Yeah, OK, we won't get, get into the politics. I mean, um, anyway, as I've just put the politics on the table, it's my fault for bringing it up. But anyway, so Poggio Valente, when was your, that was your, another one of your, uh, sorry, Safaredi, your flagship. When was the first vintage? 85, but first vintage released on the market was uh, uh, 87. Okay. We never marketed uh, the first two vintages. Okay. At the beginning, it used to be 100% Cabernet Sauvignon, and then uh, in the years it changes uh, to become a t- traditional Bordeaux blend. At the moment, it's 50 Cabernet Sauvignon, 30 uh, Merlot, and 10 Petit Verdot. It's a good blend. I mean, I, I'm just looking at my notes here. Silver medal in uh, 18 points out of 20 in uh, the Decanter Wine Awards. I'm head judge and blind. We didn't know what it was. Yeah. Decanter. Yeah, look at that. I Which vintage was it? Uh, it was 2009. There you go. Rich, rich smoky cedar, broad and intense, very clear, luminous flavours, elegance, finely judged weight, with good flow, which means it's an easy wine to drink and it's got a... There you go. Just spotted that. Oh, I should go and be your PR guy. You know, I, get a, I should get a proper job for a change, you know, rather than doing this. Um, so what, what does the future hold? When you, who are you going to hand over to in your, in your family? Is somebody going to take on the, the challenge of running Les Poupilles? I've got five kids. Five children. <laughs> children. <laughs> They used to be children. The oldest, Clara, she's already involved uh, in the winery, Clara Gentili. She started uh, her adventure in the family business uh, in 2011, very young, has her mother's. And then my son is studying uh, agricultural and winemaking. Between the five, already two. Then we will see. Do you think they'll make any big changes? Will you let them be free and, you know, if they change things? Clara, she's already running some markets uh, by herself. Yes, with uh, a lot of success. She made a kind of revolution on the UK market. uh, And then she's uh, working very, very well and very fast in the US. So I'm quite uh, proud of her. Quite proud of her. Sure. She's, well, in a way, she's uh, she's better than me. Okay, in a way. <laughs> in a way. But not completely. <laughs> yeah, well, you had to put that in. I, I, I'm a dad. I, I'd say the same thing. Otherwise, otherwise, if you give them free reign, they just you know, you've always got to be a little so, bit. It's so very important to to leave the kids to to how can I say to, to make their own mistakes. Yes, and, learn, yeah. and then to express their own ideas, uh, to feel free to to be themselves. Great. On that note, I just want to say thanks to my guest today on the Italian Wine Podcast, which is Elisabetta Ceppetti <laughs> from Fattoria Le Pupille. Perfect. It's unusual for a man to, to get things right first time, isn't it? It's, I know it's difficult. From the Scanzano area on the Tuscan coast in Italy, we probably got into a bit of politics 
today about the blending and all the rest of it. But it's so important. Italian wine legislation gets a little bit more coherent and makes life easier. If you make it difficult for the producers, you make it impossible for the consumers. So um, if anybody in Rome is listening, uh, streamline some of these ridiculous appellations. You know, if it says Morellino, it should be Morellino, which means Sangiovese. That's my view. I think we agree. Oh. Yeah, I can become your PR guy. Yeah, maybe like one day a week or something. I'm not. I'm not particularly good. This PR, you know, but um, you know, maybe maybe give me a job. But they'll probably fly and fire me from this. Bring Italian politics up in a moment. But anyway, finally, we'll, they'll cut all that, don't worry. <laughs> if they've got any sense, yeah. Or they'll just cut me, which is probably even easier. So finally, I want to say thank you to my guest today, Elisabetta Gepetti from Fattoria Le Pupile in uh, Morolini di Scanzano on the Tuscan coast. Very nice to talk to you, and hope to see you soon. It's been my pleasure. Thank That's you. Right. Thank you to you. Follow Italian Wine Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. 